0: I want to say
1: it was human, but it wasn't. He was, he, was, he was yelling at me, grab a gun, grab a gun. I was like, for what? He said, just grab a gun. And there's footprints all the way to the door of my
0: house. It had went inside my garage all the way to the door. 911, what are you reporting? Jesus Christ, you better... Yeah, sure. see ya. Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine, I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at
2: him.
3: Uh Uh-oh. You're listening to Sasquatch Chronicles. Check us out online at SasquatchChronicles.com. If you've had an encounter, email me. My email address is Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Got a great show planned for you tonight. Want to give a shout out to uh, Jackson. He's my uh, biggest fan there on the East Coast. 11-year-old. Uh, he's mainly responsible for the additional shows this weekend. He sent me an email, asked me if I would do additional shows. I think everyone thought that storm was going to be bigger than what it was. And uh, who knows? Maybe it was. I, You know, I'm, I'm on the West Coast, so... I'll keep my mouth shut on it. I have no clue. Either way, Jackson, I hope it took your mind off of, uh, <laughs> took your mind off the storm. Uh, thanks so much for listening tonight. Earlier in the week, I was sent this piece of audio from a guy. Uh, he was actually out fishing. I can't remember if it was late at night or early in the morning. He was out fishing, and uh, he he heard these sounds. He had heard them before, and actually had an encounter when he was out there. And I'm hoping he'll come on the show and talk about it. Uh, but basically, he pulls out his phone, hits record with his iPhone as he's packing his stuff up uh, to get out of there. Take a listen.
1: I don't know if you can hear this, but it's crazy here in hell. Uh, it's about 2.30 in the morning. Trying to get it from Marty and them. It's unreal. Uh, we're heading back to the house now. There it is.
3: I guess it was time to go at that point. Oh, <laughs> uh, Joe, Yeah, I'm hoping Joe will come on. I talked to him briefly on the phone. Uh, he was telling me about this recording, how much it terrified him. In the very beginning there, it kind of sounds like a coyote or a wolf, but it's almost too loud to be one. And then towards the end, I'm not so sure that was a coyote or wolf. Uh, great recording, Joe. Thank you so much for sending it. I want to thank Harriet. She, uh, she actually originally sent me the audio. Uh, so thank you for sending that to me. And very sad news to report: a uh, Bigfoot researcher has passed away.
2: Hello, everybody. I'm Barbara Shoop, and that's my dog Gabby. And we live in the great state of Washington, north of Mount Rainier in the Cascade Mountains, and we have Bigfoots. After several firsthand experiences around my home here, uh, I started documenting. And making my video diary of everything that goes on, not just my experiences, but around the community. So, check out our channel.
1: We've got vocalizations, structures, we've done gifting, we have local witness reports, and we have our own first-hand counters quite often. So, yeah, check it out.
3: And Gabby will definitely be missed. You know, when you hear when you hear Barb Shoup's name, immediately you think Barb and Gabby. And I know the pain of losing a dog. So, all well, you tough guys out there rolling your eyes, you know what it's like when your dog dies. Uh, and Gabby was one of the few researchers I really liked. Met Gabby uh, a couple of years back. Actually, I think it was at Beachfoot. Barb, and she brought her dog Gabby, and very sweet dog. So, Barb, my heart goes out to you. I'm sorry to hear about Gabby's passing. Well, on that extremely sad note, let's go ahead and bring Mike onto the show. Mike, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you being here.
0: Glad to be here.
3: Yeah, I'm really glad to uh, have you on, too, as well. And I know you actually have a total of three encounters, and your first encounter actually took place 1970, early 70s. Uh, if you would, would you kind of start from the beginning, Mike? Tell us what you're out doing, and just walk us into what happened.
0: First encounter was back in the early 70s. uh, uh was deer hunting. I was out in uh, my stand, and I heard what sounded like a chirping noise coming towards me. And it got closer and closer, and then it, from the distance it looked like a big moose or something coming through the woods. When it stepped out into the shooting lane, which was about 30 feet away, um, I got a clearer view of it, and it uh, it's like, what in the heck is that? It was big. It looked like a man, but it wasn't a man. And it stood there just kind of looking around. Uh, uh, the wind was in my favor because the wind was blowing towards me. It couldn't pick me up. Um, after about probably 30, 40 seconds, I made a noise. I go, Hey, Hey, and turned around and looked right at me. And then just about three steps had vanished into the woods. It was gone. But, uh, later we went back out there and determined it was about seven feet tall. Uh, it was about a foot uh, underneath a a branch from a white pine. And that white pine branch was about eight and a half feet up in the air. And uh, that was my first encounter.
3: Yeah, that's fascinating, uh, Mike. I, and that happened, in, you said, in
0: 1970? Uh, early 70s.
3: Early yeah. 70s. Was that in Canada?
0: No, that northern Minnesota.
3: Northern Minnesota, okay. And um, can you describe for the audience what you saw?
0: Well, this was dark in color. Um, <clears throat> I'd seen many, many photos of Bigfoot or... Supposedly Bigfoot anyways, uh, this was not as hairy. It looked more manlike. Uh, the face features were more prehistoric, uh, more man than ape. Um, and it, how can I Say uh, the smell, I did smell it. It was, it had a real pungent smell, um, the only noises that I heard coming from it were uh like I see chirping noises prior from you know it getting into my area um normally when they vocalize, I've had two of them um vocalize. I was in the middle of it, and it sounds more like a mumbling sound or a samurai chatter. I've heard that on more than one occasion It's almost like a human type voice, but it's a, a like a foreign language type I think.
3: That's fascinating. So you saw you would say more caveman then? More than if someone said like a non human primate, like an ape or something like that. You you would say it looked more human. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it looked more human than it did ape. Kind I mean, of like a cross between, but uh, the facial features were more recognizable as a human, I'd say. Or you know, like a prehistoric human.
3: Did it worry you at all? I mean, what did you think you were looking at? I mean you have a gun in your hand too as well.
0: Oh yeah, I, I had a rifle with me. Um I sat there after it left and all these emotions were running through me and I, I like so I basically got the got the heck out of there. Yeah so I, like don't I blame made you. it out to the vehicle in about twenty minutes. You know, a three mile walk, I was out in the road pretty quick. Did
3: you did you say hey because you thought it was a man? What made you vocalize just to get it to turn around look at you and see what you were looking at or did you actually think it was a guy standing there?
0: Well, I, I, at first, I, I was just sitting there, and I was just like, what in the heck is this? And it wasn't a guy, but it stood upright. Um, I, I just couldn't fathom what it was. You know, back in uh early 70s like that, we knew nothing of Bigfoot. Uh, um, I knew nothing of it until later on in life. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know who would be out there during opening of deer season and they'd be dressed in a black outfit, you know, and they could get shot, no gun in hand, nothing wasn't carrying anything, you know, just walking. Um, you know, what would someone be or something like that be out there doing, you know, it's just crazy. Um,
3: yeah. And you mentioned that,
0: the, kind of,
3: and I didn't mean to cut you off, but you you had mentioned, um, it was whistling when you guys made eye contact Did the expression change at all, or did it vocalize at all, or did it just turn and walk off?
0: Uh, It just stared at me for, you know, I'm not sure how long. Uh, It just stared right at me. And uh, we got to realize, where we were in was a a game reserve that had been closed for years, and they opened it up. And we were in there the first year they opened it up. Nobody knew about it. We were basically, my dad and his buddies, uh, we were the only ones in there hunting. So this creature, Bigfoot, uh, had that whole area to roam, unmolested, uh, not seeing any human traffic in there for how many years? And all of a sudden, this thing comes walking through the woods, and there's a, a clearing, a, a shooting lane clearly cut out. And it, it stops, and it's like, what? It's probably thinking, where did this come from? What is this? You know, And then I make that, hey. And it turned and looked at me and was like, Probably not expecting to see me, either. And uh, decided just to uh, leave. It, uh, yeah, it was kind of scary.
3: And what did you actually think you had seen that day? I mean, here it is almost 40 years later, and you're seeing this thing again. What, what's going through your mind?
0: I didn't know. Um, I, I explained to my dad, because my dad was wondering why I was back at the vehicle and out of the woods so early, and I told him what I'd seen. And he said, no, you've seen a moose. I said, no, it was too close. I could see it perfectly. It wasn't four-legged. Because a moose walking away from you at a distance almost looks like a human. Or it looks like, you know, on two legs. No, it wasn't a moose. I, can, I clearly know that today. Um, it wasn't until uh, some of the old loggers uh, used to frequent uh, establishment was going to and I was kind of talking to one of them about that, and they said, well, you seen a Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And some of the old-time loggers up here, well, they're all long gone now, but back in them days, they used to be caretakers. They'd sit out on the logging sites when he would vandalize or steal anything, and uh, a few of them had actually seen him. And it wasn't until a few years later where I started getting into the research uh, end of it. Uh, with the Patterson film and, and stuff like that, where I started to put two and two together. Um, for years after that that incident that I had, I was hearing tree knocks. I was seeing tree structures. Um, and I wasn't sure what it was. You know, what the heck? You know, who's out here this time of year knocking? And it's like two knocks. Uh, tree structures. You know, you're six miles from a road out in the middle of the woods, who's building these little teepee structures? You know, be kids or something, and these structures were kind of big. Uh, you know, at the time, I'd see all this. I, I just couldn't put two and two together, and it wasn't until years later when I got educated that uh, I learned exactly what I was looking at or what I was hearing. Uh, it's like infrasound. I've had that happen twice. Also, like well, I say, vocalizations.
3: Yeah, and let me ask you, before we go on to your next encounter, uh when you saw this saying, did it how did it compare to Patty? I mean obviously it didn't have I'm assuming it didn't have breasts. Uh but as far as appearance wise, how would you compare it to the Patterson Gimlin creature?
0: Uh the walk was the same. It kinda hunched with the swing arms. The arms were down below the hips. I mean lower than a man would have. Um and what amazed me is it, it took basically two or three strides to get completely out of my sight, which would have taken me maybe 10 or 15 steps to, you know, clear the same distance. As far as, like I say, it wasn't as hairy. Um, It was, you know, I did have hair on it, but it wasn't, um, you know, like Patty was more heavily uh, haired hair, if you want to call it, uh, and this was not. Um, and then people ask me questions, well, how do they survive the winter? I mean, I can go on all night on my theories, what I think, uh, what I've found out up here. But, um, I think this one clearly had to adapt to colder weather. When I seen it, it was not wrapped in a skin or anything. So evidently it was, uh, adapting to the colder weather for that time of year. There again, in the winter, I think they, they winter in the Camerac swamps because they never really truly freeze, that moss grass. And it was almost like a mattress it lay on that, that tree structures. Um, I found skimmed deer out in the woods. The, where The hides were ripped off and I believe they wrapped themselves with that to stay warm.
3: Interesting. Also, well, there, the, and I don't mean to cut you off, but we'll come back to some of your theories. Let's go into your, your second encounter. Um, when, when did this happen and where did it happen and what were you doing?
0: Uh, second encounter actually happened right at my cabin. Um, It was kind of an odd year. I had a lot of things going on up here, uh, different weird things I can't explain. Uh, But my ritual, I just moved in here. I didn't have running water, so I had a hole in the ice I kept open all winter. I'd go down and get water in the morning, you know, chop the hole open and bring up water for the uh, shower, uh, for dishes, whatever. And my, my ritual is i go down there about sun up, and I'd sit on the ice and have a cup of coffee and watch the sun come up while I was getting a few pails of water. Well, this same thing. This creature walked out of the north side, uh, northeast side, walked along the shoreline across the lake. The lake that I'm on is not very wide. It's probably about maybe three or four blocks wide. It's a small lake. Anyhow, it walked along the shoreline, and then, back into the shoreline on the northwest side i watched it for about probably a uh, oh, good four or five minutes and there again it moved fast enough to where it's uh, you know it would have taken me probably 25 minutes or 20 minutes to walk the distance it did and uh, that time of year it was uh, late march it was probably about a week before ice off so there was water on the ice, there was no snow. I couldn't go over and get any, you know, foot and crush them or see anything. I did happen to drive to the other side of the lake right after that, and it's all private land there, hunters own it, and it was all gated and locked, so nobody was in there. So, and I wanted to make sure I wasn't being pranked. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. That was, uh, I think 2009. I just moved up here. I live on a lake north of uh, Nashua, Minnesota. So, yeah, it's, um, I got quite a drive to town, about 15 miles of town. I'm pretty much on my own. I got a few neighbors up here, but not many.
3: I wanted to ask you um, gosh, this is almost 39 years later. You're seeing a second one. Um, what did it look like? I realize you're seeing it at a distance, but it, did it look like that first one you had seen, or was it completely different?
0: It looked pretty similar. It, you know, it was dark. I couldn't see any fe- uh, features at that distance. Um, it walked on two legs, same thing. Arms swing. Uh Dark in color. It looked to be hairier. Um, it was, you know, tall. I tried to, I tried to focus on the shoreline. You know, try to get an idea where its head was. You know, what I could uh, see in the background. I could compare it to for height. And um, I'm guessing it was probably about seven, seven and a half feet tall in that that range. Well, yeah, it was very, it was very exciting. Uh, yeah,
3: I would imagine. That. I would imagine. Gosh, this is almost forty years later. You're seeing um, another one. I realize it's like thirty-eight, thirty-nine years later, but uh, you're seeing it again. And and before I know, there's a final encounter. Before we get into that, had you been looking into this between 1970 and 2009? Had you really started looking into this subject, or was it just kind of a shock at that point? Like, oh, I saw one of those 39 years ago.
0: Well, I I started getting into it. I mean, after you see something like this, um, I've never been afraid of the woods. And I spend a lot of time in the woods. I spend a heck of a lot more time now, of course, I'm out researching. But uh, you always have eyes in the back of your head. And I've been followed. I've had rocks thrown at me, branches thrown at me. Um, and I, and I know when they're around, I, I can sense when they're around. Um, uh, I've never been harmed. The worst thing that ever happened is I, uh, they did infrasound on me, which made me feel like I was having a heart attack. Yeah, I was kind of into it. I wasn't really that big into it until I got involved with the Minnesota Bigfoot research team. And, um, a great bunch of guys, uh, we do a lot of overnights. We do a lot of research. We've got some good videos on YouTube. Also, uh, Minnesota Bigfoot research team TV. Um, we got some videos on there. We have some videos right now that are in process that, that haven't been, uh, ready for, uh, the, the area, but, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, kind of did the research, um, I would always be the guy that would go and walk the tree line when we would take a break from hunting. I'd walk and look for tracks, or I'd look for this or that. And the more I, you know, the more I did things, I, I ran into other researchers online, and I got you know, better educated on what I was actually seeing and uh, what to look for. Well, so you're always learning. You're yeah. always
3: learning. Yeah, I would agree. Always learning. Absolutely. Uh, tell us about the final encounter, the the final time you had seen them. I realize you're having other encounters where they're throwing stuff at you, but when you'd actually seen it, tell us about the last time.
0: Well, last time, I'm not sure. I couldn't say with a 100%, but uh, we had taken a call about a conservation employee uh, who was doing water uh, clarity tests on a river. uh, I can't give out locations, but west of me. Um, He had had a bluff charge. One came out of the woods and charged him. And so there was, uh, I think there was four of us on the team that went out to that, that site and we did an investigation. The team members were walking along the, the road, the access road, getting onto the river, looking for a possible trail where it was coming in and out. I was standing on the river and I was looking out over the river and I seen something dark between these birch trees. And it wasn't moving, but it just looked kind of odd. And I wasn't sure if I was looking at possibly a moose standing there or possibly a, a shadow of a burned out tree. But I, I stood and stared at it for a good 15 minutes and just stared and stared and stared. And we hadn't, you know, really gotten our equipment out yet. I didn't have my binoculars or anything like that out. We just basically got there. And uh, I turned to go talk to the other guys to see how they were doing and when I returned and went back to that spot where I was looking that the, whatever it was was gone It it moved so there was definitely something there and there again I, I'm thinking it was probably in the range of about seven, seven and a half feet tall we did later that night we had the Paul Bionic, or Bionic ear I call it. we got a set of those uh, we were listening to one walk along the road could hear it walk on the gravel and then walk into the grass. And it was definitely bipedal. Uh, it was two-legged. And we had a storm coming in. My guess is it was walking away from us. So it was going to take shelter into the thicker forest. So we had a big storm coming in. I did make a tree knock towards the end of the night. And I heard a, who oh, oh, like that coming off from, I believe, was the West, which direction we, we think it was going. But uh, it's hard to say whether or not it actually was. I don't like to say I've seen one and not be sure. But if I was a betting man, I'd probably be in pretty good shape on it.
3: Yeah, no, I had something very similar happen to me and Woody uh, when we were out. Same type of thing to where it, looked, it just looked odd. Something, But it was so dark, it was so far away. And I remember just looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. And I told Woody, he ran back to grab his binoculars. And I was like, well, I'll just keep my eyes on it. And his dog came running up. And for a moment, I kind of looked away and I was doing something with the dog. And I looked back and it's gone. So I don't know what it was either. I, I'm with you. I, I don't like to tell people that story because I, I don't know what it was. It could have been a bear for all I know, it could have been nothing. Um, but it is kind of one of those weird situations, you know. Uh, what do you think that they are, Mike? What's your honest opinion? I mean, you've had these encounters. You've had other encounters where they're throwing stuff at you, and you've heard vocals. If someone were to ask you, what is Sasquatch, what would you say to them?
0: I'd say they're basically a missing link. Um, I've talked to researchers. We do the Reamer, uh, Bigfoot Days of Reamer. Well, we've had people travel from Canada. We've had people travel from uh, south from down south up to to be there and then to actually talk to us and I've talked to other researchers, biologists and that and I've heard all kinds of stories and some I can believe and some are a little far fetched but basically I believe they came across the land bridge from Europe um, because modern, what we call modern day man was evolving and we were more sophisticated we had weapons, we could out hunt them we could do uh, I think we were getting in the fire. This is just a guess, mind you. And I think they, they moved out of the area uh, to an area that had less competition. And, and I see that right now in northern Minnesota. We're getting mountain lions coming into northern Minnesota, out of Canada, out of the west. And they're they're basically ranging into this part of the state because there's less competition. And I believe that's that's what it is. Uh, my My opinion, by what I've seen... Um, I seen the Minnesota Iceman. I actually got the uh, touch the coffin that it was in. Really, and that's another story. Uh, a lot of people say that was fake, but I believe what what they are is some type of like missing. They okay, just kind never of more evolved and never died out. They
3: kind kind died. of more human. Is that what you're thinking? More Yeah. He,
0: yeah. Interesting. More, okay, man.
3: So you saw the Minnesota Iceman, huh?
0: Yes, I did.
3: Can you describe it? From what you saw, I've never talked to an eyewitness that actually saw it.
0: Yes, I can, and I've got beaten up over this many times. A lot of people say it was fake. I do believe it was copied and faked. What i seen, I had a friend of mine that worked for the Minnesota State Fair, and uh, he was uh, he was able to let me in and witness, witness this back during the uh, middle 70s. He was... Uh, let me in and I got to go into the display area and actually look at this. And, um, I talked to another gentleman from Minnesota that actually seen the same thing. And we both described what we've seen, both seen. Um, what I seen was a, uh, probably about, I'm saying no more than six foot tall. It had a prehistoric face. Um, I know the refrigeration at that time was very bad. I could smell it. I could actually see a bone protruding through one of the fingers. It was rotting. Um, It was lightly. It didn't have a lot of heavy hair on it like a normal one. It was uh, lightly light hair, dark in color. It had a man-like face, uh, very prehistoric looking. Um, And My opinion on it was real because I don't think they could have taken something that real back then. I don't think we had the technology. Hollywood didn't have the technology to do something like
3: that. I agree with you. It's just it's a shame because the guy that was presenting it, his story would change constantly. You know, they shot it. He, a friend of his, shot it. Um, It depends on what storyline you get, and and even there's other stories of where it came about. So it's kind of iffy on how he came about this thing. And then he was such a salesman trying to make a buck off of it. Um, I, I think it kind of ruined it a little bit. But I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I've looked at the old pictures of the original Minnesota Iceman, and I I don't know, man, that's a good fake if that's a fake because it looks real to me. But I I'd, I never stood over the top of the glass and actually looked at it. That's fascinating. Yeah,
0: it's, it was amazing. Um, yeah, I've heard stories that was actually shot in Superior National Forest up there. Um, I've heard those stories. Um, there's also another guy, too, that claims his dad shot one, and he's been on YouTube, and he's a dog trainer. And he's actually, I try to get a hold of him and talk to him, but he's actually showing body parts from him uh, on YouTube. He claims he has one in a freezer. I mean, yeah, I, I've heard a lot I
3: of I know you're talking about that Peter ones. King guy. I know you're talking about. Yeah. It's his attempt at yeah, humor I, is what he's doing. He says in a bunch of his early videos. It's just humor. It's meant for a joke, it's meant for fun. Um and he's pretty straightforward in the early videos, and now he just does it for I think for views and kind of a poor attempt at humor in my opinion. But um I know you I know who you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I didn't think much of the guy, in my opinion, so he seemed like kind of a jerk to yeah. use a nicer word, I guess.
3: Well, I've never met him, so I can't I can't say one way or another. Um I wanted to ask you about You had mentioned earlier about the deer hide. I'm I'm curious about that. Wrapping themselves with deer hide? I've never heard of such a thing.
0: Well, it makes sense. Um, You know, they keep warm doing that with hides. Um, Also, you know, body heat. Uh, In the winter, they get into the Tamrack swamps. I believe that's where they winter. They make shelters. I don't believe they migrate out of the area. If, if, If they did, I think people would see them more. The way they're logging in, you, in Minnesota alone, you know, they're running out of habitat. In my opinion, to, to stay hidden, so um, yeah, I believe you know there are opportunities. Um, I had a, a guy I worked with said that he's seen one. He thought he seen one. that was wrapped in a tarp, you know, going through the woods. It found a tarp and wrapped itself up in one. I mean,
3: yeah, like, interesting. I guess it's not too far off. You, you read old accounts of when people used to put their clothes out, dry them in the yard. And there's a bunch of old accounts where people would see these creatures with clothes on. looks like they stole it off a clothesline and was actually wearing it. And I've always, you know, you can pass the first one off, but I've read many accounts like that. Early 1900s, late 1800s of them wearing clothes. And you're like, where did they get the clothes from? And I'm sure they jacked it off one of those lines. You know, it was before the dryer the washer and dryer, how we can wash clothes now. But um that's fascinating. I've never heard anyone say that. Why why do you think they're so hard to catch up with? Do you think they're just so smart or do you think there's something else going on?
0: Well, you know, we you know, I, like I say I could tell stories all night. We had a reamer, we took eight people out. We had uh um they'd never been in the woods. We wanted to give them a case of what we do, what we go out in the woods. We had uh, two girls that were probably about I'm guessing twelve to thirteen with their dads. Uh, about a 19-year-old gal and her boyfriend and then a woman in her early 50s with her boyfriend. And we got a total of about eight knocks, and we got a vocalization that a 19-year-old girl heard through the parabolic ear, and she was almost in tears. she came walking up to me, and she said, I hear him talking. And I made the same sound that they made. She shook her head, yes, yes, is what I'm hearing. And at the end of the night... Um, we kind of talked about it. Um, my opinion, whether it was juveniles, they were just curious to what these females were doing out there and these people were doing out there. And after they'd had enough, they just simply vanished. But, um, yeah, they're very intelligent or they're, they're not going to be seen by accident. Um, not unless they want to, um, you plan on going to the woods with three, four, or five people, your chances of seeing one are very slim. You, you'll be lucky if you get a, a, a haul or a knock. They know when you're there, they hear you. I mean, their senses are so uh, much better than ours as far as their sense of hearing, their smell, their eyesight. Um, it's just amazing. We, I got two Native team members, Native American, and we were north of here at a location, this was about a month ago, this is the video that hasn't been released yet, towards the end of the night, we we heard a, we did a series of calls and that, and towards the end of the night, we heard a And we're just standing here, oh my god, did you just hear this? It was like to the south of us. Well, then a pack of coyotes went nuts. Just let loose, yipping and howling and all this, and then Shortly after that, we got a, a return call from another one to the north of us, did the same type of, you know, and the issue we had with the splitter on the Paul block here uh, was not working correctly. We picked up the sound, but it's not very loud. And I think we sent that off to see if it could be cleaned up to put on the video. But to hear something like that in the woods, if you weren't a believer then, you would be after you heard something like that. Because I don't think any human could have made the noise that I heard. It was just unbelievable. Was it kind of like,
3: stand... like the Ohio howl? Is that kind of what you heard?
0: <sighs> I don't know if I've heard the, the Ohio howl or not. You know, oh, let me play it for you. Okay. <laughs> that oh that's what i heard
3: that's what you heard huh yeah it's yeah. uh it's real
0: similar to that it, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up <laughs> yeah i bet i bet man if i was standing
3: out there that'd make the hair on the back of my neck stand up um have, have you ever had any aggression when you're out there beyond just rocks being thrown in your general direction
0: well we had we'd done a, a, a filming of finding bigfoot up here and uh, we took out to the location where that game reserve is, and we did the overnight filming there. And we did get a tree knock. We had something crashing through the woods. But you got know, this was in July. So about in November, I went into the area of deer hunting, and uh, I felt sick right away. I don't think I felt like I was having a heart attack. I just felt nauseous. So I got up and got out of the area, felt fine walk walked back into that stand that I had, and, and I started getting anxiety attacks, which I never get those. It was, it was just weird. So I finished the day out. I came back here, and I, I basically ate and went to bed. I was tired as hell. I mean, I was just completely wore out. And uh, that's what they call infrasound. I had that happen one other time on a trail. I was back on the trail, and I was at the end of the trail. There was a swamp. And all of a sudden, I had the feeling of dread, like I had to get out of there. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And, I, you know, I got a rifle and a pistol on me. I've got nothing to be afraid of. But anyways, um, the second day going out to the stand, this is uh, right after the infrasound, um, I heard something crashing through the water. There's was a beaver uh, pond right next to the stand. And it didn't sound like a deer. It sounded like two-legged splash, splash, splash. And... Um, and shortly after that, I was sitting in the dark, yet was waiting for daylight and I could hear these objects hitting the ground around me, crashing through the brush and through branches. And later on, I, you know, once it got light, it, when, it, when it got light, by the way, it stopped. I had, uh, seen rocks and some branches, pretty good sized branches laying on the ground within, you know, 10 to 15 feet of the deer stand that I was in. And, uh, Another another thing that was kind of fascinating is prior to that, I had trail cam video, countless deer. I bet I had over 30 deer into that area. I didn't see anything the whole time I was out there, not one deer. Whatever it was in there was scaring them out of there. They weren't coming into the area. But that's about as aggressive as I've ever had them get with me. Um, one of our, our founders of the Minnesota Bigfoot research team, Abe D'Ario, uh, he went out and did an investigation to the west of me. Um, he actually went to the air ER thinking of having a heart attack there. Again, we, we believe that they wanted him out of there. It there might've been young ones in, there, in that area and they wanted him out of there. And that was their way of doing it was this form of infrasound. Um, you know, I don't know infrasound for people that don't know what that is. It's kind of like a gorillas can do it. I believe, um, Lions can do it. It's a high pitched noise that we're unable to hear with the human ear, but we can sense it. It can either lull you into feeling helpless or tired, or it can put fear in you. Um, I've read different things about it, but we believe that uh, Bigfoot has the capability of doing uh, doing that just by talking to other people who have the same experiences. So it's interesting.
3: Yeah, it is fascinating. It's really fascinating, Mike. I got to have you back. I know you've had you've had. So many strange things happen, so many encounters. Oh. Um, I definitely have to have you back. I, I wanted to hear your your sighting encounters and kind of what you've been doing now. But I really appreciate coming back, coming on the show, Mike. Would you come back?
0: Oh, I'd be happy to. Great. I love talking Bigfoot.
3: Yeah, no, I do I too. Talking. Well, thank you again for coming on.
0: All righty. Good talking to you, sir.
3: And as most of you know, my bookie is now sponsoring Sasquatch Chronicles. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for
2: dollar.
3: I'm not sure who's calling in here. Hello.
2: What up? Jesus. What's up, Les Garmer? <laughs> uh,
3: Tony Merkel from the Confessionals. I'm kind of in the middle. Hey, you betting on the Browns? I told everyone about your cocky mani scheme last week about <laughs> betting on the Browns. How the Brown, like, who bets on the Browns to win? I mean, I'll tell you what. Let me just finish this real quick. I'm in the middle of trying to pay bills, uh, as they say in the business. Use promo code Chronicles to activate the offer. No, I'm good. Use promo code Chronicles to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code Chronicles when creating your account to claim your bonus. You play, you win, you get paid there now what did you now what did you want now what did you need that was so important i just wanted to see if you were going to be uh you know betting on the browns this weekend no like i told you no people in cleveland don't bet on the browns Uh, listen i'm (laughs) telling you this year it's looking up okay they started their season with a tie it's really looking up right now yeah i'm sure uh, they got they got Michael Kendricks on the team. You know who that guy is. He came from the Super Bowl defending champions, the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, so they're looking up. They're looking up. I'm Telling you, <laughs> you gonna play some money on the uh, the Browns this weekend? Already done. God. Wow, look at you, man. Well, that that my bookie's actually pretty cool, man. I got a couple bets this play, place this weekend. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to uh, getting some free money. Place the bets against the Eagles. I'm betting against um, the Browns. Okay. All, okay. the, all the losing teams
2: Oh yeah, okay
3: You can hate all you want Reigning champs
2: Raining You guys champs. won
3: one year You won one year
2: When's the last time the Chiefs won? <sighs>
3: yeah, I thought that, felt, that really felt nice Anyway, don't forget to check out my bookie Use promo code CHRONICLES That's my bookie Play you when you get paid I already said that, but I'm frustrated God damn, Tony Merkel. Anyway, let's jump into it tonight. I want to welcome Shane to the show. Shane, thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
3: Yeah, I really appreciate being here. And I've been following you for many years. And it all started with your encounter uh, from when you were young. Now, there's other things I want to get into. I know you have a documentary coming up. But can you take us back to that moment, Shane, when you were a child and walk us into what happened? What, what were you out doing and what did you see?
1: So I was on my uncle's land. uh just outside of West Plains, Missouri, which is down in the southwest part of Missouri, and um, his dog had run off. his His dog was uh, he was part Doby and part Lab, so he was he looked just like a dobe, but but a thicker chest. And uh, he would he would run out and chase deer, and you know he'd disappear all day long. But usually, my uncle could whistle, and within ten or fifteen minutes, he'd come running and uh, that day he didn't so um, he asked me to go out and and holler for him and I ended up uh, you know we played as kids out on my uncle's land all the time during the summer when I wasn't in school I actually stayed out there during the day so being in the woods out there was very normal for me and a few of my cousins so anyway I went out and crossed the pasture and uh, went to the edge of the woods and started hollering for him. And he wasn't coming. So I, you know, went up on, into the woods a little ways and kind of started headed, heading back eastward. And uh, I, just all, I just remember all of a sudden I got this weird, crazy, crazy feeling. Like almost a, like a tingling sensation that runs up your spine. Or that, or that feeling that you get when somebody's watching you when your back is to them. Uh it's the only way I know to explain it. Yeah. So I get this this vibe and this crazy feeling and I and I stop and I I already understood, I think, in my mind that I knew something was there. And uh I stopped and just focused straight ahead. And what I know now to be a young male stepped out from behind this tree from about thirty foot from me and it uh it just stood there and stared at me and you know, it seemed like uh, it seemed like forever as a kid, and and I remember back then too. I remember like the thing was it was large to me. It looked like you know an a, almost an adult human size, if I was going to compare it to us. Um, but you know, I I understand now at this point in my life that it was a, a younger male, not an older male, and that. That fear that you would expect, it wasn't there. It was, uh, it was almost as if I was in shock. Um, I, you know, I didn't, uh, didn't know what I was seeing. I, I'd never heard of Bigfoot or Sasquatch or whatever you want to call these things. So I just stood there and gazed at it, and it gazed back at me. And it was maybe for you know eight seconds, ten seconds max, and it turned around, and it walked away. It never looked back at me. And it walked up and over this, this shallow hill and went out of view. And that's when like instinct kicked in on me and I turned and ran all the way back to the house. And, uh, you know, by the time I got back, I was crying and, you know, the, the fear set in after, after the fact. And, yeah, that's uh,
3: fascinating. There, there's I a couple, back... Shane. go ahead I'm sorry, I apologize. Well, go I got ahead.
1: back to the house and, uh, my dad had showed back up at this point and, and, uh, as I got close to the house, I had to, I had to cross through a, a fence, just old barbed bar wire fence. And, uh, as I'm crossing through it, I was yelling cause I would seen, noticed that my dad's car was there. And he heard me and come out and met me at the porch and, uh, you know, want, of course, wanted to know what was wrong. And, uh, he ended up taking me in and got me settled down. And of course he wanted to know what, what the deal was. And I told him what had happened and, you know, of course, being a father, you know, you don't—if you don't think these things are real or know them to be real—it's hard to to hear a kid say that it's real or what they saw was real, you know. So he basically tried to convince me that I was just young and and scared and seeing shadows, and uh, and that was that was kind of it, you know. I didn't I didn't play in the woods for for quite a while. I uh, definitely even after I started. You know, getting back into the woods with my cousins, I wouldn't go out alone. And eventually, you know, within a, it was a it wasn't a long period of time. I just kind of put it in the back of my mind and got over it, and and uh, de- didn't really think about it ever again.
3: You know, well, until- let, let me ask you before you on, um, can for the audience, can you describe what you saw? So you're standing there, this thing steps out, um, uh-huh. and can you describe what you saw?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, of course, covered in hair. It's, um, it's, I was more than anything, I was focused on its eyes. It's like, uh, you know, my focus was eye to eye with it. And so my, you know, your peripheral vision kind of views everything else. And, uh, so like the facial features are what stick out the most in my mind. And you know, the, the eyes were brown. They, uh, they were inset, of course, a large brow ridge. The no- the nose was uh, more like ours than what most people typically describe that I've heard. Um, the lips were, were really flat, more, for lack of a better explanation, they were more ape-like, I guess you could say. The skin was a dark gray color. You could see the skin through the hair on the face. Um, the hair on the face was... Was thinner than the rest of its body. You know, I, re- I remember that, you know, just knowing that it was a male, and that was something that, uh, you know, I had I'd never really thought about, but, you know, seeing it later on in life in my head and going back over those moments and stuff. The, uh, when it turned around and walked away was probably the moment where I actually. Looked at this thing up and down, and um, you know, my focus wasn't set on one specific thing. Literally, the only way I can explain it is a, a, a cross between ape features and human features. I mean, that's that explains it really well. If you were to picture that,
3: yeah, and I was going to ask you that did it look more man like? Did it look more because I've heard you talk about this before in the past, and it didn't have an expression, it was kind of stone faced when it was looking at you, It it didn't. Uh, and you can correct me yeah, if I'm it wrong, was- Shane, but um, they didn't have any. From what I've heard, I feel like I'm telling it now. Sorry, uh, I've I've heard That's you tell very this very before, hard. but uh, its expression never changed. Correct?
1: Yeah, never, not once. There was like zero expression in the face. The uh, the eyes, you know, I don't even recall the eyes blinking. You know, and I couldn't tell you if mine did. To be honest, yeah, but I don't even recall its eyes blinking. It was just like you said, completely stone faced. And
3: Yeah, and there's uh, there's a couple questions I want to ask you. One thing I find fascinating, I've heard you talk about before in the past, and I know we have a lot to get to, but I I always I wanted to ask you this because I don't hear too many investigators and stuff out there talking about this. Is when they're in the area, you can feel they're in the area. And I don't know how to explain that to anyone. I don't understand it myself. It's not like you know, um, you're getting some weird signal, it's just this weird feeling when they come around, and it's like you almost know they're there and i and i've that sounds very insane, probably to most people listening, but it's true after you've had an encounter and you're in an area, you can definitely feel they're in the area and I've heard you say that, Shane, what's your take on that? Do you think it's just you become sensitive after seeing one, or do you think i mean what what do you think causes that
1: i I don't know I've actually went through a lot of different thought processes just trying to figure out what, what could be, you know, tipping the body, a person's body off like that. And, um, I've looked into infrasound and infrasound is the first direction that I actually went because my father was infrasound sensitive and only like supposedly 2% of the population is infrasound sensitive. And, um, he he was one of those two percent. He was a truck driver, and he he couldn't drive to Southern California and parts of New Mexico because the humming in his head would just like drive him crazy. But so knowing that, um, and you know after looking into it, I don't I haven't went and got tested, so I can't say that I'm infrasound sensitive. But just going off of that, and with you know the theories out there that they've there's pe- i've heard people talk about infrasound and so i started studying it looking into it and and thinking maybe that's what i was feeling and and i didn't understand back then that other people were having these feelings too you know that they could they could tell when something was around and not even necessarily you know this this species that that we're out, that we're out here chasing around in the woods um i uh i'm one of those people that you absolutely can't sneak up on and my my sons are that away. Oh, I have three boys, and and all three of them are really hard to sneak up on. They 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 feel your presence, and uh, I've done I've actually trained them to be that away And uh, a lot of it involves scaring them a lot, which is fun for dads, right? So yeah,
3: do you, do you think it's infrasound though? Uh, I'll tell you, I'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give I it to you don't real at this point. Let me give it to you real straight here for a moment. I felt that one other time, and it was in a haunted house. It was in a legitimately haunted house and there was absolute pol- poltergeist activity going on in the home. And it's very, the feeling is very familiar to that. It's the feeling of being watched. It's the, there's something not right in the air. And now I'm not saying Sasquatch is a ghost or, you know, but what I'm saying is that feeling is very familiar. And if it was infrasound, I think you'd have the symptoms of infrasound when you, I mean, infrasound can cause a lot of problems, make you sick, make you depressed, make you, I mean, they can turn the dials and change your emotions on the dials. Um, And I don't, I won't really say it's like that. It's not like I'm sick in an area. It's not like I'm disoriented or there's nausea. It's just this high alert that kicks on. And you know what I'm talking about, because I've heard you talk about it before. It's this weird high alert that kicks on. And I can't really, you know, you are, you're out there with people and they think you're nuts because you're like they're in the area but you can't articulate why you feel that way because you haven't heard anything yet. Nothing's been thrown. Uh no one's seen anything yet. You're like the kook in the group that's like, I don't like this. We gotta get out of here. And I don't know. You could be onto something. Maybe it's infrasound. What do I know? I'm just a dumb dumb hick from Washington. I'm pretty
1: convinced it isn't. Like I said, I'll you know, if if I wanna know, I'll look into it and I study pretty hard and get very familiar with what I'm you know what i'm looking at and thinking about and and i'm i'm pretty positive it's not at this point um, i looked into it um i couldn't prove it um i am going to be using some equipment in the near future in the near future that will pick up infrasound and that is just to you know convince my myself and anybody that has that theory out there that it's not true um, that's kind of how we roll, man. Like, we don't care if if we if we have an idea, we're gonna try to figure out a way to prove it wrong or right. I like it. And and if we prove it wrong, we're cool with that because, I mean, say I have a theory. If I can prove that theory wrong, it makes no difference to me. If it's wrong, that's one less thing that I have to look at and think about, you know. And, and so that's kind of what we're out to do. Not just Prove these things are real and prove that they're out there. But we're also out to prove that a lot of these things that people are thinking about and really diving headfirst into, we're out to prove that that's that some of it's BS. You know,
3: I hear you. Well, and I want to jump ahead. There, there's a little incident. If we have time, we'll we'll discuss it. But um, you didn't actually start getting back into this till like 2014. Um, And if my memory is right, you were actually out with your family when you had an encounter. um, And it kind of brought you back into looking into this. Is that correct? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: 2013.
3: Yeah, 2013. You're working now on, and forgive me for going all over the board, but you're working now on a documentary. Uh, Tell us about that. What experiences were you guys having? What's the documentary going to be about? Kind of share with us what you have coming up.
1: Well, so... Basically, I I got brought into some private property, um, and this private property was had some things going on, and they already already had one friend that was out there that had been hiking around and checking things out and whatnot, and and uh, he ended up getting a hold of me, and and from there basically we spent um, all of last year just kind of being a normal presence out there um the first day that he took me out there we actually had a we actually got a visual of one and at this point we think it may be a a young female is is the one that we possibly saw that first time i went out there with him and um there's reasons in the documentary that kind of explain that and why we we think that now but um we spent the whole last year being a normal presence, kind of getting a routine going in certain areas of the property and um, doing a lot of things that that I haven't really put out publicly. That I've just kind of kept to myself. And it's basically a lot of it is the same things I did back in 2013. Um, and back then, I, I ruined the situation by giving chase. And at that point, everything just almost came to immediate stop so I've just basically kind of went back into that same situation in this different area and after doing all these same things for the past year um, I brought in Randy Harrington which uh, you just did an interview with recently and a guy named Chris Reinhardt who's out of Connecticut he's a Berkshire Bigfoot on YouTube and I have a buddy here that does this with me. That actually got me onto the property, and his name's Mark Taylor Gardner. He Goes by M Beast. That's how most people know him.
3: Yeah, I know Mark. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's uh. So, you know, it's just a I've met Randy. I'd never actually met Chris, but we talked a lot on the phone, and just you know, a lot of commonalities and whatnot. Just a good guy. More than anything, I was trying to bring in the right people that were trustworthy and that I could count on. You know and it would count on me and 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 we've all kind of got the same mindset as far as how we we want to go about getting the evidence and i had a situation where i felt like it was time to to try to get some good evidence and so i brought randy in he uh his specialty and i know you've talked to him a lot but he loves the nighttime stuff with his flur and the audio and Chris Reinhardt loves the daytime stuff. He had never done any nighttime stuff. And uh, let me tell you, after the first night, he was on edge the whole five days. <laughs>
3: I think I remember Randy talking about this on the uh, Empty Tent episode. But um, don't let that be what you're going to tell me. Go ahead. Just tell me what happened. I'm I'm curious to know when you guys went out there. So,
1: you know, the, the first night, um, we get there and – we set up camp and whatnot. Spent a few hours doing that, and then uh, myself and Mark go down towards uh, the where this this creek ends. And we w- we hadn't been down there just a few minutes, and Mark hollers at me, "Hey, there, we got tracks!" So we found um, how there was like twenty-one tracks all together, and uh, three three different sizes. And we of course we casted several of them, and the ones that we casted were the ones that I'm most interested because I find them the most and they're uh, about a nine and a half inch track. They were nine last year. Now they're almost 10. They're between nine and a half and 10. And that's the reason that I'm most interested in them because they're the the ones that I've found the most and that that I've found the best tracks of. So we can compare the, the same tracks year to year and show the morphology of the foot if we get good casts. So, we got those casts. We went back to camp. We left them there to dry. Uh, we had dinner. It got dark. We went back down. We hiked back down about. It was between ten thirty and eleven o'clock. And Randy had the floor set up. And about three quarters of the way down there, we got a flur hit. And so this thing was in this particular spot, about fifty yards from us, between us and the creek, and. Uh, when it would drop down, you could see it was it looked like it's dry it looks like it's dropping down on all fours and you can see the flat of its back and then it would pop its head up and at one point, you can see what's it, what looks like the left shoulder and left arm and uh anyway, we videoed this for about we got about three minutes of footage and yeah why we stopped the footage at that point you know that'll that'll come out later, but we went back the next day and um found where this thing was and we did a recreation of it with me where it was and the thing is the head is bigger uh, it's just it's it's larger i could completely disappear and this thing couldn't so we also found the next day um where something we assumed the subject had went through this particular area and uh and this is also the same subject that we believe left the tracks that we casted, which is, the, which is kind of the cool thing. You know, we were down there casting his tracks, and on the way to, back to get them, we got this floor footage. So the second night, we went up to a, an area that uh, I, call a, the, I call Crawler Hill because I have uh, caught a video in the past up there of what seems to be one kind of spider crawling and popping up, and you can see the shoulders and the head uh we went there and we hiked up there about eleven o'clock, and you know we were up there till I think two thirty that morning, but we hadn't been up there maybe ten minutes, and uh got the floor set up, and we all sat in this spot and uh boom, one stepped out from behind the tree and and we got about ten minutes of footage of of this thing pacing back and forth between these two trees and squatting down occasionally and at one point I get up and when I get up it reacts to me getting up and it jumps behind the tree and and uh so it was exciting you know it was really exciting that we were getting all this action and we had a a, a bait area set up and at this I move these bait stations around occasionally and there's there's things that we're leading into now where nothing will be able to get to the things that I'm leaving out there. Like absolutely nothing other than a bear. And if a bear does it, it, you'll be able to tell. So we're setting things up to where there's only, you know, one or two things that can possibly get to this stuff. So working into that, but we had some action, and, um, we have an apple that's been bitten in half. It's uh, actually still in my freezer. We're trying to decide who to send it to and, we're wait, waiting to hear back from somebody right now that may do some dna testing for us and since then we've we've gotten another apple that looks like it it possibly dug its fingernail through the apple um so we have two apples that we may have some possible dna on and soon as we uh, get some word on that, you know, if we get the opportunity to send them off, we're just going to send them off, but we're, we're being real picky and choosy and, and uh, with who we deal with and more than anything, we're, we think that we found somebody that's kind of new to it and excited about doing it and will, you know, not jack us around at all and it's yeah. trustworthy and, you know, I know a lot of people send things off, but I also know. You know, of a few people that have sent things off, knowing what they were, acquired the hair themselves and sent it off saying it was possible Bigfoot. And it came back as a completely different animal than what it actually was. Like it wasn't even tested. So I know of those cases. So we've been real picky about who we're going to deal with. You know.
3: Yeah, I don't blame you. I remember when Randy was telling me this story, I was giving him crap because uh, you and I both know Randy's like 6'5 and 300 pounds of muscle. Um, yeah. And I was giving him crap. He was like, "Yeah, I was trying to tell one of the guys to go over there." And fl-. when you're talking about the one bouncing its head up and down, he's like, "Should I send someone over there flush it out?" And I just busted up laughing. I was like, "You go over there and flush it out. You guys are insane, Dude, man. Who's going to go over there and flush? You're the biggest guy here. You go do it." Uh,
1: we actually that that actually happened um, on on night three. We were hiking back up on night three. It was just three of us. And we were hiking back up to the crawler area where we had gotten the footage the night before. And on the way up there, we got a hit off to our West and, uh, it was, it was real thick. We couldn't see through it, but we could clearly see the hit heat signature. And it almost, you could almost see a head and shoulders at one point. And, um, Randy looked at me and I looked at him and I took off, I took off into the woods towards it. and, And, uh, I didn't get my you know I didn't get my eyes on what it was, but uh it was in a little culvert with a a big a big big tree sitting on the top edge of it, and it whatever it was was it had been down in there and it bolted on me and uh I didn't even get it with my flashlight but it was one of those moments we you know I mentioned Chris Reinhart was on edge the whole time on night three this is only his third night you know doing the type of investigation that we do down here and uh you know he's got me the only person that can get him out of those woods running off into the woods towards a heat signature you know so he was <laughs> wondering why he was out there with us i think at times
3: but, yeah no i understand it, and it's it's um gosh there's so much to happen between now between your first encounter and this situation and i may have to have you back shane to tell that other from 2013 to i think it was 2014 or 15 of this area when you were actually in observing for uh there was four creatures uh family group and it's kind of a long story
1: there, there, there was five actually but one of my only saw one time
3: i got you it's kind of a long story um and i may have yeah. to have you back for that uh but that's what basically brought you to this property and i feel bad I'm all over the boards forgive me Shane um, no, you're good. When you guys went out to that property, what what was the guy who owns the property? What did he say to you guys?
1: Well, so he um, stays in a, a small cabin. It's actually kind of a trailer that's been you know built around. But um, he was having structures that started popping up all over his property, and him and his buddy they were going out with you know night scopes and stuff, and they were seeing what they thought were people. Out on his land, and you know they'd go sit and and just be quiet and watch, and they would see figures and so for i don't know for several months, they went through him and his buddy tearing down these structures that were popping up and and uh, uh you know their their intent was to run these what they thought were poachers off and keep them off the property they even shot at, at them a few times not trying to hit them actually but just you know shooting i shouldn't say shot at them they shot in the air to scare right
3: them. trying to scare them away and were, yeah
1: yeah thinking they were people and um so after after that <clears throat> excuse me some of these structures started showing up behind his like you know i'm talking 20 yards into the woods behind his his little cabin that he, st- that he stays in a lot not too long after that started happening, he had a logging company come in and they logged this this one particular valley area of his property. And that's when some of the crazy things started happening. He I mean you could randomly go out there and there would be different rocks up on top of his roof laying up there from where, you know, he was telling us rocks were coming out of the woods and landing on top of his place. And uh he had couple other people that i've talked to uh since since meeting him um said that they were out there one night out front and a couple rocks come flying over from the woods and landed out in the front yard and uh so it it started kind of freaking him out once he started really thinking about what could be out there throwing rocks and what were making these structures and he kind of started looking into it and and um my buddy mark in beast, he had uh, started going out and hiking around during the day out there and checking stuff out, and and he had a few experiences, and and uh, you know that that all kind of led to bringing me into the situation.
3: So this documentary, wh- when is the documentary coming out? I realize that's probably a, a vague question, and you're probably going to yeah. give me a vague answer on it. And I I've been down this road a couple times, so I get it. But w- generally, when is that documentary going to come out? Is it going to include all the video you guys shot? Because I'd love to see that Fleur.
1: It is. It's going to include all the video. Um, basically, this documentary is not set up as a entertainment-style documentary. Um, I was offered a TV ordeal last year, and I negotiated with them for three months. And I didn't want to be involved in anything that had any fakery or or like super fancy editing. Cause you know how it is, man, you can edit stuff and you can take somebody that's a cool person and make them look like a butthole.
3: Right. You know? Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's easy. And so I was really scared of that. And so that basically led to, to doing this documentary and, and a lot of it was just spending the time setting up the situation, you know, and, and getting everything kind of, um, on the runway for us to be able to come in and do our thing, you know, that was probably the biggest part. And this documentary that we filmed is was really the easy part. And it's it's not going to be, um, uh, you know, a hoopla, hoorah. It's basically going to be all evidence based. It's all there's no BS in it. It's all real. It's all shots from either me or Chris or Randy. Of course, we you know went to professionals to have it put together. They actually start. I talked to them today, and they actually start editing um, Monday. So it's just now in the beginning of you know. You're pretty far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know I'm hoping in a couple months we can maybe get it out.
3: No, I hear you. Well, I'd love to see it. I know Randy came on. I don't know if you heard the Empty Tent episode, but he was talking about uh-huh. that night. Uh, you guys were out there, and I thought, God, what a great opportunity! And I was here. To, I was glad to hear you guys were out there, the ones actually out there, because I don't know, man. A lot of these guys go out, and I'm just like, I've had guys go out, and start popping off shots, and you know, under the guides of we're Bigfoot researchers, and it's like you're on someone's property, man. You you gotta take it easy a little bit. Um, And I was so glad to hear you guys go out because I know I know Randy pretty well. Randy's no nonsense. You know, there's no BS with him. Um,
1: Absolutely. That's one of the main reasons that I brought Randy into the situation was because of that. And that is, you know, there's a lot to be said for integrity and just, you know, people knowing that you're not going to be faking stuff and whatnot. And you know, nobody wants to be involved with anybody like that. So I spent a lot of time like vetting the people that I wanted to bring into the situation. And he was just, you know, he was yeah. the number one prime candidate when I first started looking.
3: Yeah, Randy's That's one of those guys, guys
1: too. Approach.
3: Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off shame, but Randy's one of those guys, you're kind of like this, too. Uh, one thing I've always liked about Randy is he's an outside-of-the-box thinker. And I I know um, i got to have you back to – we're going to run out of time. But i got to have you back to tell the um, – when you're interacting with the family group, because you were kind of doing the same thing, I noticed, with Randy, trying to think outside of the box. You know, how can I trick him? How can I play the game with them? Uh, and you both are – Outside of the box thinkers, I, wa- I wanted to ask you: what, what do you think that Sasquatch is? What, what's your honest opinion? Obviously, you know there's no wrong answer.
1: Um, you know, honestly, I don't have an opinion. That it's it's completely open. I don't I don't have anything that's fact based that can really give me an opinion. You know, if I was if I was to go off of what I've seen, um, I would have to say they're just you know, something between us and apes. That's, you know, that's, that's really all I can say. That's really the only way I can put it because, um, you know, opinions change constantly and I hate changing my opinion. I'm stubborn. And once I have an opinion, man, I, you know, I stick to it till death do us part. And, uh, so I just try not to get too opinionated and, set in any, you know, solid way of thinking. I just, you know, I want, I want, I want to know what they are. I don't want to, I don't want to guess. And
2: there's evidence
1: that's going to give us those answers. And that's, that's all we're trying to do. That's all we're, that's all we're going to be doing. We have another trip planned, uh, October 4th, and we're going to go out and do the same thing. Um, on that
3: guy's property. Same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah same place. I go out there every weekend, and uh, I do the same things every weekend when I'm out there. And, uh, you know, the the things that are that I would expect to happen are happening. And so we're just kind of going – we're falling in line with the motion of the situation, basically, is the best way to put it. There's nothing too crazy or special that we've done to, to get the, the recent stuff that we got. It was just – prepping the situation correctly and, uh, and doing things, you know? You
3: yeah. Know. I'm, I'm more of on the long, and I, and you may disagree with me on this, but I think honestly, um, if you could get past the government, so there's a bunch of ifs and a bunch of obstacles, but I honestly think one has to be shot and brought in it's just, just the way it's got to be. Uh, there's no other way around it. You can bring all the footage you want, bring all the flares you want It's fascinating it's fascinating to sit and watch. It's fascinating to sit and hear people's encounters. It's fascinating to sit and listen to um sounds uh, but at the end of the day, I really think one has to be shot and brought in just the way it has to be what what's your take
1: um you know i'm 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 a no kill guy uh just um and i've you know I hunted for years growing up, and I have no problem killing an animal, but uh, you know, my problem is, when you look into the eyes of these things, you you don't, at least I didn't, I have never gotten the sense that I was looking into the eyes of an animal. I mean, it's absolutely not looking into the eyes of a gorilla. I've done that. You know, I've been interested in apes and monkeys my whole life, and if I was at the zoo, I was at the I was at one of the primate areas, you know. Um when you look into the eyes of these things, you do not see an animal. And
2: I
3: respect at least, that, at least
1: I didn't. At least yeah. I didn't see one. So it would be it's not something that I could do because yeah. of that. And um you know, is that what it's going to take? Unfortunately, it, it probably is what it's going to take. Um we're going to do what we can with our situation to bring some light into it without having to do that stuff, you know, but hopefully, I mean, that's our goal, you know, is, is to get, not only get footage, but keep getting footage over and over and over and over. And now my, my goal is to get, you know, 4k footage from 30 foot, crystal clear out in the open. And I've, I've been in that situation before, but it's not when I was, uh, in the mindset of trying to prove anything right it was when it first happened to me, you know,
3: yeah uh in
1: two thousand thirteen i was i got within thirty foot several times, and so that's what I'm trying to recreate. I'm trying to get back to that same situation because it'll yeah you know will it will it absolutely prove it a hundred percent no, but you know it's all it's all it's the only other route we can go
3: no, I respect yeah. that i I respect that clear footage, yeah, know? no i and it's hard not to respect anything you just said. You know, it's you kind of make me look like an a-hole, But um, no, no, no. No, if, <laughs> I'm just if, if, I'm just playing with you, Shane. It's my poor sense of humor.
1: For it to be proven, then it is what it is. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. not the guy for that.
3: No, I hear you. I respect that. I, I like your answer. You know, hey, I looked in the eyes of this thing, and I don't think I could kill it. It's hard not to respect yeah, I, an answer I, like I, that.
1: I know I couldn't. I'm, I mean, I've told Randy and the other guys. You know, my I would absolutely love to get bluff charged. Like, you know, that would be like that's the kind of footage I want. I'm not the guy that's gonna turn and run and piss his pants. I'm the guy that's gonna stand my ground and get the footage, you know? And uh I've I think I prove we've we've proven these things to each other, you know. Randy will do the same thing. And and I I'm pretty sure Chris would at this point and I know M still do it, you know. So if we get the opportunity, um we're gonna, you know, we're going to take it and just hope that it comes and
3: gets (laughs) hurt. Well, I wish you success and I wish you the best on it. And, um, you know, I've I've been wanting to interview for a long time, Shane, and um, I was so glad to have the opportunity to bring you on. I'm, I'm glad to hear what you guys are doing. I respect what you guys are doing. And that's a great, you know, it's very slam. It's hard to find this in the Bigfoot world where people disagree and they still respect each other for whatever reason, some for some reason, in the bigfoot world, if you disagree with someone, you have to hate that person, and and I don't I don't buy into that.
1: A lot of the bigfoot community is crazy right now. Yeah,
3: it's completely uh, insane. You know, yeah,
1: I, I stay out of I stay out of it as much as possible.
3: Yeah, you and me both. And,
1: you know that the other thing too is you know you have no disrespect to anybody who's got a Patreon account or GoFundmes. No disrespect at all, but. I've done everything. It, just like Randy. Randy has spent so much money doing this for years, you know. Um, I've spent a ton of money. The other guys have spent a ton of money. We've self-funded ourselves and it's gotten to the point where with the situation I felt like you know versus doing a TV deal or having a, somebody backing us that's going to play into the situation to a point where you lose, you can lose control of the situation, you know, and, and this, the way the situation is, is what makes it special right now at this point. And we couldn't, or I couldn't, I couldn't really take the, the chance of that. And I, our hope and goal is that we can do decent off of this documentary and all the, all, anything that we make off this documentary is going into a, a research fund. And basically, what we're going to be doing is um, we're going to do this and make everything we can off of it. And it's going to go into a six month, four to six month research study in this particular area where, where we're going now and where we've gotten this recent footage. And we're literally going to stay there for four months at least, hopefully, hopefully six months. Like we're literally going to live there. And just become a normal thing. Um, You know, it's, think of, you think of Jane Goodall, you know, it's, in my mind, it's going to take that approach to get these, these creatures to uh, get used to you, you know, be relaxed around you. It's going to take something like that to, to get the footage that we want to get. So that's, that's what we're planning on doing and uh, none of it's going to go in our pockets. Literally, we're going to use every bit of it for equipment and to, you know, take care of our food and all that. Kind of take the burden off of us and our wives. You know, of course, our wives are happy to have that burden gone.
3: Yeah, no, I understand. We just feel
1: like that's the only way it's, that anything really good is going is to be done other than the occasional, you know, lucky, crappy video or photo, you know. And I've got those myself. Um, it's just not something i really put out anymore because it doesn't help the situ- it doesn't help the uh the overall uh flow of of what's out there and what's coming out and you know i don't i don't know if it's just me but it doesn't seem like recently there's been much going on in the past year year and a half as far as people getting evidence you know
3: no it doesn't really seem like there has been it really doesn't well let me know if i can so, help you guys in any way you know, you guys want to promote the uh, documentary, or uh, if there's anything I can do to help you guys, um, doors always open. I've told Randy that before. I mean, Randy can come on the show anytime he wants, but and that that offer is yeah. open to you too as well, Shane. If there's anything I can do to help you guys, please let me know.
1: We we appreciate that, man. Appreciate it a lot.
3: And I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. No problem. And I'll have to have you back, Shane. I know there's so much more we, we we're supposed to get to tonight but uh i promised you uh we wouldn't be on here for like five hours talking so <laughs> i'll definitely have to have you back will you come back
1: absolutely anytime
3: thanks again shane
1: all right thank you You'd be good brother
3: and that's it for tonight everyone remember if you've had an encounter shoot me an email my email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com if you get a chance check out sasquatchchronicles.com thank you again to uh, my bookie until next time everyone. Have a great night.
2: We'll be